Well, thank you so much, each one of you that's here today. And I just want to say that I'm very honored to serve here today at Toronto City Church, and I love your pastors. Brendan has been like a right arm to me with Ministers Network Canada. A lot of times we get the acclimas ourselves, but the reality is they do the work, and they're really diligent and hard workers. I sit with Sharon on E21. And I don't know about the junior thing. You guys are way. But anyway, she's uh, really loved greatly by the group. Um, Ashley Wilson, actually, Dr. Billy Wilson from Oral Roberts University, the president of the World Pentecostal Organization, which is about 640 million Pentecostals. Come on. Son actually made reference to Sharon being in our meeting. That's how much they love her, respect her, and honor. So I think we need to give honor to where honors do. Come on. I don't say that just for that, but she does work hard, and Brendan does work hard, and we're just really honored. It's going to be an incredible week uh, with the Ministers Network Canada coming from all the way in St. John's, Newfoundland, all the way from Victoria Island. People are going to be here. So we're very, very excited to, to be in the Toronto area. What's amazing is... Sharon, I don't even know if you know this, uh, in the last five weeks, I've been in this right off the 404 in the Don Valley, what's that, the Don Valley in the 401, four times now in the, in the last five weeks, okay, just at different works over here and just been an incredible time, so it's just in this region here, it's like I know this area now, the back of my hand, usually I'd pull over when we get to Cambridge and let Kathy drive because she knows Toronto, okay, so are you all ready for the word of God? Before I share, I just want to say that uh, Pastor Kathy would love to be here with each one of you today. And all that are watching by live stream, we're just so happy that you're connected here. And appreciate and hope that the word will minister to you today. I know as the worship has ministered to me already. Well, we have two new books with us. The first one is called For the Joy Set Before You. And this is Pastor Kathy's newest book that just came out. It's doing incredibly well. All the proceeds of our books, by the way, go to the Women's Life Center, a 20-bed treatment home in Windsor, Ontario, helping women coming out of alcohol and drug addictions. Come on. And so we put all of our proceeds of our books, our tapes, and everything actually goes over to the Windsor Life Center. They're doing an incredible, incredible job. They had a fundraiser this year that they normally, the gala, they normally raise about $85,000 for that, somewhere, you know, between 83 and 85. But anyway, this year they hit $200,000. And so that was just an amazing breakthrough out there. And so it's really running extraordinarily well. This book was birthed during COVID. And uh, Kathy was just not happy that we weren't able to see our kids or family or churches or anything. And so the Holy Spirit just came on her and says, I want you to write a book on joy. Amen. So that's this one here for the joy set before you. And let me just state this here. To me, this is, we've written over 10 books, 12 books now, whatever we have. Uh, this to me is the most important book in the body of Christ next to the Bible. And I say that very, very confidently because it's taught at Bible schools today around the country, even around the world. It's been translated into French. It's been translated into the Mahdi language in India, spread all across there. Kathy is going to India. They bring her in to do conferences on the cross. But this book helps you to lay a proper foundation for your Christian journey. So oftentimes what I've recognized about believers is their life in Christ is like a yo-yo. They're up when they're in church, they're up when they're in fellowship, but then life storms hits them and they get down. And the cross really is the anchor. The cross is the beginning and the end of all things. It's the beginning, listen, it's the end 
of the old life, and it's the beginning of a new life in Jesus. Come on. He's the Alpha and the Omega. It all starts at the cross. And so, and let me just state this here. The cross is the power of God unto salvation. I was taught in my early years that the cross was the place of defeat, but the resurrection is where the power of God comes in. And yet that was not proper teaching because Scripture is very, very clear. It says the cross is the very power of God. Come on. The cross is powerful, amen? And so whenever you get away from the cross, remember that earthquake that hit over in uh, Japan about eight, nine years ago? It literally knocked the earth off its axis at that time, literally knocked it off and shortened the day. And when I read that, when I read that article from the secular, I actually felt God said, whenever the church gets off the cross, they're off the axis of God. And that's why it begins to wobble and shake and everything. And God says, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Amen. But the cross cannot be because it's eternal. It's, it's the beginning of life in the spirit and it's the end of the law. Amen. So I just encourage you, if you've never gotten that book, it'd be a really good one to get. Uh, before I start today, I want you to go, uh, let's actually go and get started over in the book of 1 John chapter 5. Just a little uh, premise. I want to just lay a foundation before I start the message today on trouble and adversity. A lot of times when we speak on these subjects that I'm going to be hitting on adversity and difficulties and trials, a lot of folks don't understand the spiritual realm, which is more real than the natural realm. What we have to understand is we have a real enemy of our soul that's here against every one of us. And the Bible says, be sober. It says, casting the whole of our care upon him, for he cares for us. The very next verse says, be sober to the church, be vigilant for your adversary. You have an adversary that is active. You have an opponent that is active against your mind, against your emotions, against your will, against your Christianity, against your family, against your finances, against your health. And he's real. So it says, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. The devil walketh about as, come on, a roaring lion seeking who be made devour. Have you ever thought of that for a moment, that there's a real adversary out there? Not an it, not a symbol, not an emblem, but a real adversary that wants to take you out. Okay, that's the reality. Now, here's the second thing I want to bring out in 1 John chapter 5, uh, verse 19. I'll read it in the New Living because it just brings it out very clearly. It says, we know, and this is the apostle John speaking. He says, we know that we are children of God, and the world around us is under the control of who? Come on. Under the control of the evil one. And unless we understand this here, in the, uh, in the spirit realm, he has power to influence and he has power to direct people's behavior in the course of events for their life. We have to understand, we live in a fallen world. Now here, here's the good news. In Christ, how many know we have power over the enemy? And we have power over our behaviors. We have power over things. And, and that's why we're, we're a part of E21, which is a global network that wants to establish the kingdom of God in the earth. It also speaks, the word control means uh, jurisdiction over. One translation, even the New King James says, the sway of the evil one, the power of the evil one, the authority of the evil one, the government of the evil one, the domination of the evil one. And the reason that I'm bringing this here out because I hear a lot of Christian lingo that goes on, whether it's from TV or whether it's from programs or tapes or even ministers at times speak, is that, you know, God's got everything under control. And then things happen in people's lives and they get hit 
And they say, well, if God's got everything in control and he permitted this and he allowed that, I'm confused. Well, the reality is God is in control when we make him Lord. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess, acknowledge with your mouth that he is Lord, that means he's in control of your life. Come on. He didn't say just receive him as Savior. He says make him Lord. He wants to be number one in our life. And when he's number one in our lives, then God's in control. And if God's in control now, now his word is what we learn that transforms our thinking so we can kick devil butt all the way. Amen? So this is very important that you understand that because when believers hear certain things that God's in control of everything and everyone and this and that and nothing can happen without him, that's not. We live in a fallen world and it says the world is in the sway, is in the control of the evil one. That's why we pull people out of the kingdom of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of light. That's why we preach the gospel, the good news, to get people hope, to get people encouragement, because the enemy does the opposite of that. Amen? So I wanted to lay that down. Now, y'all ready to get started in the Word of God? One thing about Rick Cimitero is that I like to take things contextually. I, I don't like to ever just take one verse and then preach one verse and then do a whole sermon on it. It's, it's okay to do that, but I like to know what was said before. I like to know who the audience was that he was talking with. I like to know what the response is. So just so you have a background of where I'm going to read in a moment over here, Jesus taught us this parable of the sower sows the word. In Matthew 13, and then he goes into 14, and he goes where the text is right now so the parable of the sower is in 13 and he speaks about what happens from the moment that seed is into the ground inside of our heart to the moment that it brings forth 30 and 60 in an optimum yield it speaks about the principle of harvest there and so then he speaks about the rejection of Jesus in Nazareth and then he also speaks about the beheading of John the Baptist right right before the story that I'm going to go into now why is it that I say all this here because we're going to learn a principle today that I wrote a book on called Giving, Forgiving, and Thanksgiving. And I thought I had the revelation of the whole thing all down and everything else. And then as I started reading, even out of my own book, started reading the verses that I used to, uh, to quote that there, God brought another whole message to me, and that's the one you're going to hear today. Amen. So are you all ready for that? So if God says something one time in the apostle Matthew, how many would be good for all of us to hear that, right or wrong? Pay attention to the thing, learn it, process it, find out before and after what he was saying. And But if God says the same story twice, then there's probably something inside of there that he wants us to get a hold of that's going to be very pertinent for your life and for my life. Come on. But if God says the same story three different times, then maybe we just need to pull back a little bit and just really find out what is the Spirit of God saying? Why did he have to repeat himself so many times? You know, uh, Rick is a very, very slow learner. Kathy can tell you that there. Uh, But once I learn something, I get a hold of the thing. Nobody can take it away from me after I get it. Uh, They say it takes eight years to get a doctrine of divinity. It took me 32 Okay, so, so I'm a little bit slow learner, but I got a hold of it, and, and, and nobody can take that away from me. So I say all that, but if God says the same story four times through four different authors, through Matthew, through Mark, through Luke and John, then there's something in there that is so significant and so precious and so revelatory that it's actually going to affect my everyday life. 
He doesn't just put it in there just to take space. So when we read the stories, oh, yeah, I remember Mark said that. Oh, yeah, I remember Luke said that. Oh, yeah, I remember John said that. No, no, he puts it in there because there's principles in there. There's laws that are established in there. There's ways of God that are established there that will help us in our everyday journey of life. Are you all there? So this is the story. This is the story. It said, it said they took the little guy come and he brought the five loaves and the two fishes. I'm not going to get into all the, 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 the biblical numbers, numerology of the five and the two. I'm not going to develop all that today. And I'm not going to develop the aspect of the giving and the forgiving and the thanksgiving today because we know that. But here's what I want to bring out. It said they took the five loaves and the two and Jesus looked up to heaven. This is in Matthew chapter 14, one of the four that I'm quoting. And it says that Jesus... Jesus looked up to heaven and he blessed it. That literally means he gave thanks to God for it. And then something happened afterwards. There's one more word there. It says, and he broke it. Everybody say broke it. Now listen very, and then after he broke it, John says they distributed it to the 12 and the 12 distributed to the people and there was 12 baskets of leftovers afterwards there. And what the Holy Ghost began to download to me, he said, Rick, in your book on the giving, and the forgiving and the thanksgiving, they are principles, and you got a hold of them. But he said, you were missing one other point out there. And I said, what's the other point? He said, you missed the aspect of brokenness. The multiplication never came into the believer's life. The multiplication never came in the Son of God when he was here in all four accounts until he actually broke the bread. Come on. And it's in the breaking inside of my life, it's in the breaking inside of your life that we actually see the multiplication will take place. Whatever the leadership is, I've noticed in here and I'm very encouraged that there's more people watching my live stream. There's more people that are here live today. Come on now. And so the church is beginning to multiply, right or wrong. But I don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that behind the scenes, there's probably been some pain. Behind the scenes, there's probably been some trouble. Behind, I don't know about it. I haven't heard anything, and I don't like to hear anything before I ever minister. But the reality is, it just doesn't happen. There's something that goes on. But this is the principle that you need to understand. In your life, you're going to go through seasons of brokenness. That is not a negative confession. Why? Because the Bible says in Psalm 34, many, not a few, many are the afflictions. Come on. Many are the troubles. Many are the difficulties. Many are the challenges. Many are the opportunities of the righteous. Come on. But the Lord delivereth them out of them all. So the focus is not on the trouble. The focus is on the deliverance of God on the other side. And so why am I bringing that out? Because a lot of Christians, they get saved and they think we're just going to be on this great journey. We're going to be on this here bed and it's just going to be peace and joy and everybody's going to love one another. Okay. Everybody's going to get along. Come on. How many know it's just not that easy? Why? Because that's how I started off. We have a real opponent. We have a real adversary. It doesn't use, again, emblems. It doesn't use symbols. It actually speaks of a real person. And sadly to say, almost two-thirds of the church world today doesn't even believe in a literal devil today. And the same group doesn't even literally believe in a literal person of the Holy Spirit. The heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove in its descent. It didn't call the Holy Spirit a bird, didn't call him a dove, didn't call him an angel. It said the Holy Spirit descended upon the Son of God in bodily appearance like a dove. 
So these are just fundamentals, but they're very, very important. So what I've learned in life is that whenever there's going to be a breakthrough inside of our life, there's usually a circumstance that is there beforehand that has already been created, not by God, but by the enemy that wants us to now take us out to destroy us. What the enemy brings opposition for and adversity for is to take you out. But God will take whatever the enemy means and turn that thing around and use it as a weapon to destroy him. Use it as a weapon to break through. Use it as a weapon to advance the kingdom. Use it as a weapon to bring your family into the household. Use it as a weapon to break through in worship. Use it as a weapon against everything he has planned for you so you can thwart the kingdom of darkness in the earth today. Now, here's the story. Here's the story. There was a situation in the, in the book of Exodus chapter 1. And you can read it later. And, and the Hebrew midwives were given an assignment by the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh was the strongest empire in the known world during that their day. The Pharaoh had built and amassed an army of incredible strength. The Pharaoh had wealth. The Pharaoh had amassed things that were incredible down in the land of Egypt. And the children of Israel were actually slaves in the land of Egypt. And they started growing and multiplying themselves so rapidly that the enemy got upset, uh, that the Pharaoh got upset, and he called the Hebrew midwives were the ones. They were the doctors of the day, the pediatrics, if you want to call it, that would actually be there when the birthing was taking place. And so these midwives were brought in by the Pharaoh, and he said, listen, whenever a Hebrew child is born and it's a male, kill the male. Kill that baby. Get rid of that baby. Kind of like what they're trying to do in our land today with the abortion. Come on but it's no respecter of male or female in ours. But kill the babies. And the Hebrew midwives, the Bible says one thing about them. They feared God. And they didn't do as the Pharaoh had asked. If you want to start study it out, you can find out that's why Moses, when the child came of age, they couldn't keep him any longer. They couldn't conceal him any longer. They had, so that's why they put him in the Nile. But how many know God had a plan that at the right time, at the right moment, the Pharaoh's daughter was there, come on, and she happened to pick him up, see him, and took that child as her very own. So, so no matter what the enemy means, God has another plan. But here's the thing. It says, in, and because of this here, it said the more that they afflicted, the more trouble that the Pharaoh brought, the more trouble, the more adversity, the more pain, the more sorrow, the more grief that he brought, the more that they multiplied. Here's the truth I want to tell you today. Your troubles are not going to take you out. Your troubles are going to be the springboard to bring you into the greatness that God has. Your troubles are not there to define you. The opposition is not there to define you. God has already defined you as his offspring, as his child, as his son, as his daughter, as a champion, as an overcomer, as one that's in Christ, sanctified, righteous, made holy by the blood of the Son of God, and put a wall, a barrier, a blood around you that the evil one can't overstep those bounds unless you give him a legal right to do so. The whole world lieth in the sway of the evil one, but the evil one toucheth us not. What does that mean? There's a barrier of blood around Rick. There's a barrier around Sharon. There's a barrier around every one of us. But if you get out from that barrier, you get out there and do your own thing. You get out there and live uh, not according to the word, but on your own interpretation. Come on. Then guess what? The enemy is going to get the upper hand over your life. But I don't believe that's going to happen for you at TCC. I believe God has a plan for you. Are you there? So what I learned from this here story is the multiplication, it never came until there was a breaking. Now here's the breakthrough that the Hebrew midwives had. Are you ready for this? 
Go down eight verses after 12 and you'll come to 20 and you'll see in Exodus 1.20, the Lord was pleased with the Hebrew midwives and he gave them houses. Everybody say, come on. God gave them houses. Their breakthrough came on the other side of a challenge. Are you going to obey me? Are you going to do, are you going to obey Pharaoh? Are you going to obey me? Because murder to them was wrong. Murder to them was 101. Murder to them was, uh, we're not going to go there. But guess what? God blessed them and God gave them houses. How many remember seeing the movie Top Gun with Maverick? How many know that? The Tom Cruise, anybody see it? Okay, I'm not here promoting a movie, but I've watched it a few times now because I'm on planes and it's a movie. I'm a very hyper guy. I like, I get usually 5,500 to 6,000 steps in the service. My wife actually says, you're like a tennis match. Okay, you go back and forth and back and forth. like So all the ADDs love me. Come on now. Okay, because their attention span like me. Okay, I'm ADDH, apostolic dysfunction disorder. Okay, but... But anyway, in the movie, Tom Cruise is in there, and he just got really bad news. He got fired. He got really bad news that everything, his career was over, and they told him, don't come back again. You're done. It's all done. So he goes to his girlfriend and tells her what happened, and she looks and says, hey, I know it's inside you. You got it, you know? Now, this is not a, a Christian movie, all right? And she says, I know it's inside you. You, you can think it. It, it. It's on the inside of you. So Tom Cruise says, okay. And he walks out from the scene, and he gets into the jet. And he goes in, and they're telling him, you can't go this here speed. You can't do this. And it was breaking the sound barrier again. And so he said, no, I, I can't do it. So he gets in there, and if you watch him, he's in the seat, and everything is around him is breaking. Everything around him is pressure. Everything around him is stressful. Everything around, And they're at headquarters saying, who is that? And they recognize it's Maverick. And they say, oh, my God, he's going to kill himself. The thing is going to explode. The thing is going to break down. Come on. And, and, and guess what? He hit this sound barrier, and the pressure was on. You could see it in his face and everything. And then he broke through. And guess what? When he broke through on the other side, everything went smooth. Everything was always, and that's the way it is, folks, in our life. That's why he says it in Matthew. That's why he says it in Mark. That's why he says it in Luke. That's why he says it in John. They're not just stories that are given to us. They're actually principles that will help you in life. I can't stop the tempter from coming to tempt you. I can't stop the accuser from coming to accuse you. I can't stop the deceiver coming to deceive you. But what I can do is give you tools that will help you. When he comes, you can resist him yourself. Amen. Amen. And so here we go now. So let's go to the book of Acts. In the first story that we see a challenge, we see the church's birth now. We see the church is growing. We see 3,000 saved on the day of Pentecost. We see a chapter later, another 5,000 come in. And we see the church is just really growing and expanding well. And it says in, 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 in the book of Acts chapter 6, as the church began to multiply. How many know TCC is coming into multiplication? Come on. I'm not just speaking that forth. TCC is coming in to multiplication. There's a worshiping spirit in the house that is very contagious and very necessary and very needed in this time that we're in right now. And when I see people on their faces before God, people worshiping the way they did without freedom, without being shut down, how many know God is up to something? Amen. 
And so here's the key. So Matthew, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 6. So the, the church is multiplying. The church is expanding. The church is growing. The church is flourishing. Families are coming in. Households are getting saved. Teenagers are coming in. Young people are coming in. And then the enemy seeds something in to the widow's ministry. He hits the older ones and he says, hey, the Grecian widows are being specialized and then we're, and the Hebrews are not being taken care of. So the Hebrews and Greeks were together, one new man, and, and they were taking care of the one but not the other. And so there was a, a faction that was there and the apostles come in and they say, hey, wait a minute, guys. We can't leave the word of God. We can't leave our prayer time to take care of what's happening on the food bank over here. So let us appoint seven men in positions over there to take care of the problem. How many know that God has a solution center called the word of God? All right? And the word of God is the problem solver for my life and for your life today. So the apostle Paul, excuse me, so the apostles, they put those seven men in. And then the scripture says something that is so powerful. It says immediately afterwards, it said the church began to multiply. And it said a great company of priests came to the faith. Not just a handful of priests. That's from Judaism. They were coming to the faith in the Messiah, the Son of God. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. I want to be on the cutting edge of what God's saying and doing. And even though I might be 70 years on the old side, I still feel like you college and career folks. Amen? Okay, so anyway, so we see something. Here's, here's how the thing operates. God begins to bless. The enemy comes in. He's resisted now. They put a strategy in. They resist the enemy. He leaves, and then multiplication takes out. If you haven't learned that yet, you're going to learn it because that's a principle. Amen? Second thing is we look over in the book of Acts, and you go to chapter 9, and you'll see the apostle Paul was now with Barnabas. And Barnabas was not his original name. It was a nickname that he had. And Barnabas literally means son of encouragement from the two Greek words. And so his name was literally Joseph. And you can find that at the last verse of chapter 4. And it says, Joseph, who was a Cypriot, he gave a piece of land. And then what happened is, man, the people got all pumped up, all excited. And then Ananias and Sapphirias in chapter 5 also gave a piece of land after it because they wanted the same applause. That, that, that Joseph got. Come on. And so their heart wasn't right. Their motive wasn't right. And Peter discerned that, picked him up. And guess what? Two people fell over dead that day. All right. And so that was in Acts 5. So here's now Paul and here's Barnabas. And Barnabas had worked with him out in the field. He had seen the apostle Paul in real life. He had went out there and they probably stayed in tents together. They probably connected out there in ministry together. Because you see Paul and Barnabas all the way to chapter 15 in the scriptures. And so what transpires is he wants to go now. Barnabas wants to introduce him to the leadership. And this is in Acts chapter 9 of the church at Jerusalem. So Peter is there and James is there and John is there. And the other disciples are all there. And guess what? When they brought him there... They didn't want him. They didn't trust him. They were afraid of him. They were fearful of him. And they said, we're not letting him in. He's not coming in to the church here. I want to just state something that's very exciting in the time frame that we're in. Ten years ago, Pentecostals and ten years ago, Charismatics were on two different playing fields. 
Pentecostals and Charismatics didn't get together very often 10 years ago. You might see an isolated case of it now, but people like Sharon and people like uh, Brendan and people like that are on these here committees now, Travis and so many others are working together. That wall of division with Pentecostal Charismatic is totally obliterated. Why is it obliterated? Because the love of God inside of us, we appreciate now and we celebrate diversity. We're not in a competition. We're not in a comparison to do things as I do, but we're in a celebration of one another's life. Amen? You know, we talk about repetition earlier about the four places. You know, the, the, the most common verse in the Bible today is 17 different times the Bible teaches us. Not once, not twice, not 10 times, not 17 times it said love one another. And guess what? The greatest area that we're challenging today is loving one another. So that's why God had to say it 17 times. So you might read through a book and say, oh, there it is. Love one another. Go to the next book. Oh, there it is. Love one another. Amen. So they got rid of the fear, and they got rid of the mistrust, and they took, we see, the Apostle Paul into the church world. And immediately when they did that, unity came. They started loving one another, receiving from one another. There was great joy amongst them all. And then, then guess what happens out there? Then the Hellenists come up, and they want to kill Paul. This is a religious sect of that day. They want to take him out. They want to get rid of him. And, and so the church works together. They protect him. They get him out of the city, and he's safe. And then the Bible says Peter goes out, and Peter goes and ministers to a region that he had been to before. And when he went out and ministered to this new region, it's where Sardis and Lydda, two cities of that day, are at. It said he goes over there, and because now the accuser, because now the deceiver, and because now the tempter was now put aside, was already put under their feet now, he goes in there, and the atmosphere is now sanctified because the brothers are getting along. The brothers are loving one another. Okay, and guess what happens? The Bible says two entire cities come to Christ. Lydda and Sarah. Could you imagine Toronto and could you imagine Mississauga all getting saved at the same time? Could you imagine that every person, the Bible says every person in Lydda and every person in Siren were all saved because of one miracle of Aeneas. You know what, TCC, you're one miracle away from seeing a whole city transform. And listen, God cares about the most influential one as well as the one that's a nobody out there. The Bible says make friends of the nobody and never try to be the great somebody. Amen. That's in Romans chapter 12 if you're looking at message Bible out there. So why am I bringing this here out? The trouble came, the thing got stirred up, and then right afterwards the multiplication actually took place. I'm, I'm telling you this multiplication always comes after the breaking inside of our lives. I want to just share a story in my own personal life. God began to bless the work that I had set my hand to for many years. And, and anyway, transition came and things changed. And, and Kathy and I, we moved on to the apostolic now in the role that we're in today. And God has blessed everything we had done. But a few years ago, I had woken up in a dream. And this never, never has happened prior to this year. And this dream was not, not just a dream. It was a physical thing that happened to me. 
I'm sound asleep around 3.30 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning. It's real early. And, and, and sound asleep, and we have a Costco bed. And the Costco bed is a split mattress, okay? And, and Kathy has her controller on her. She can go up, and she can go down. She can read at night, use her side, and it doesn't bother me at all, amen? And then if I get up a couple times at night, it doesn't bother her, and so we have a split mattress. Well, at, all of a sudden, the mattress, and this is before the Lord. My wife is a witness to this here. All of a sudden, the mattress starts shaking, and my bed's got a vibrator for my neck. It's got one for my lower back, and it's got one for the back of my legs. All of a sudden, without never touching it, the controller, all three of the vibrators go off at the same time. Okay? And my wife's going, what are you doing? I says, Kath, I'm not doing anything. She says, your bed is shaking. The whole thing is moving. I says, Kath, I don't understand. I didn't touch the thing. And so anyway, she said, well, shut the thing off that you're waking me up. So anyway, I'm, I'm like, okay, but I don't know where the thing is. So I go into my junk drawer where all my receipts are at, and I, and I finally find the controller because her controller won't work on my side. How many can understand that, okay? And so, so anyway, I finally find the controller, and I shut the thing off. And the Holy Spirit came up, and he said, he said Rick, everything in your life that can be shaken is going to be shaken. I never went back to sleep that night, began to birth books and began to birth things after that there. And I'll tell you what, I hit a shaking after that that I never believed could have happened. Okay? But guess what? Because God had woken me, because God had prepared me for it, I was ready for it. Are you there? And then a prophet I shared in the earlier service called me, and he said, I don't know what's going on with you, Pastor Rick and Kathy. He says, but God woke me up, and he said to call you. He said, your family is going to get rocked, and it's going to get rocked big time. Get ready for it. I don't know why. It's because Open Bible and because CFCM have merged together. We went from 550 ministers to almost 1,000 overnight. Okay? And because of it, he said, the enemy's upset, and he's going to hit the family. A few weeks later, it all hit. Can you say amen? And the sad thing is, and, I, and I, I'm not proud of this here, is I didn't respond to the warning that was given. I had the warning that something was going to hit in that, and I responded, but not in the most kind way. Anybody ever been there before? Is it okay to confess our faults one to another? All right. And so anyway, I got bitter, and I'm not going to lie. I got upset, and I know all about bitterness. I know all about unforgiveness. I know all about it, could teach it, could preach it. I thought I was living it, and... In my heart, I, I thought I had forgiven, but it wasn't really from my heart the forgiveness I was giving. The forgiveness was from the, it's got to be from the heart. If forgiveness is only from the head, guess what's going to happen? We're going to constantly be rehearsing it. Come on, church. We're going to be constantly nursing it. Why did they do that? They betrayed me. They, they caused me pain. They ripped me off. They're this and they're that. And that's going through my, any, anybody can relate with what I'm saying right now? Raise your hand. I've lost everybody, okay? So, so anyway, over a period of time, I started really getting into this here sad situation. And my wife comes up to me and she said, Rick, she says, this thing is sent to take you out. This thing, you were already warned about it and you've yielded to it. And if you don't get this here dealt with, he said, you're going to be done in ministry. You're going to be taken out. And I said, Kath, come on. She's no, no, you need help, Rick. You've tried on your own. I've watched you, but you're, it's, not, you're, it's not in your heart, this forgiveness. It's, it's in your head. Well, how many know when somebody tells you that? How many of you don't want to hear that sometime? Come on now, especially if it's your spouse. 
I could preach it from the pulpit. You can receive it. But how many know if it's usually your husband or your wife, you're going to have a little harder time receiving it. And so anyway, I took really what Kathy had said to heart because I knew that she always had the best interest of her husband at, at hand. And so I went for help. And I, and I reached out and I got uh, uh, some counseling and some help to just walk me through some of these here disturbing things. God got me healed. God got me restored. And you know what happened afterwards? Everything started breaking through. Okay, I received, I'm down in Florida. I shared this at the earlier service in February and I'm down there and all of a sudden, uh, Kathy and I were raising our own support and everything for ministry and all of a sudden my secretary knows we're down on on holidays down there and she calls me up and she says, Pastors Rick and Kathy, I just need to talk with you for a minute. I said, what's up? She said, we just received a gift for $100,000 in the ministry. Come on now. Totally unexpected, not expecting it in any way. And, and a, a gift came in for $100,000. Well, how many can say the breakthrough came? Now, I shared that because the pain was there first. The unforgiveness that had gotten into my heart was there. And it was inside of my head, the forgiveness, but it wasn't in my heart. And see, whenever you're nursing it, whenever you're rehearsing it, whenever you're going over it and over it and over it, and it's like you're stuck, you just can't let it go. I'm telling you, it's in your head because that's where the enemy's playground is at. But when forgiveness is from the heart, there's a peace that hits afterwards. Now I can look at that situation and I can pray for them. I can bless them. Come on now. I can even send them offerings and do them good. I could not do that when I was stuck. Now, I want everybody to stand right now for a moment. We're going to come right back. And maybe you're here this morning, sir. Maybe you're here this morning, ma'am, and you're in that rut and you're stuck. I want everybody just to bow their head for a moment. And, and you said, you know, Pastor Rick, if you came in here for me, to, it, it, it's what you're saying is just speaking right to the depths of my heart today. I know that there's an issue inside. I know that I haven't canceled the debt. I know that I haven't forgiven because I'm still going over it. It's still as fresh today as it was when it happened, and it's even taken me further and further down the road. Well, we're going to shift that today, and we're going to get that from out of your head, and we're going to get it to the depths of your heart. And everybody said amen. So, sir, ma'am, if that's you, I want everybody to bow your head. And you watching by live stream, if that's you, I want you just to connect with us. Put it on your iPad, your laptop, your phone, whatever it is. Put your hand down there. But if you're in here today and that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands up high. Just, I'm the only one looking right now. I see hands all over the room right now. Okay, put them down. Put them down. Now, if you didn't respond the first time, if you put your hand up the first time, you're all good. Okay, we're going to pray now. But I'm going to give another chance for those that maybe wanted to put them up the first time, but you didn't, but you really wanted to. Put your hand up right now. Put your hand up. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Okay, I see those hands. I see that. Okay, I see that hand. All right, everybody look at me right now. Put your hand on your heart right now and say, Heavenly Father, I'm asking you today that this forgiveness would shift. Now put your hand on your head. Just say, take it from my head. Take it from my thoughts. Take it from my soul. Take it from my emotions. Take it from my mind and shift it now to the depths of my heart. Now listen, now say this with me. Heavenly Father, I forgive them. I uproot 
the temptation, the stronghold, the lie, the seed, the crop that the enemy has seeded into my heart. I today pull it out, break it down, cast it off, and now I choose to bless my enemies, to do them good, to pray for them, not revengefully, but to bless them and to speak well from this day forward over their lives. Now, Father, I thank you that I'm set free. I thank you that I'm delivered. Now, everybody give a thank offering to God right now. Give a thank offering to God. Hallelujah. I'm going to close with this here. Troubles come not just because we created them, but troubles oftentimes come because others created them. But how do we respond when troubles others did? The apostle Paul was out there on the scene. He said, guys, don't go on this trip. They did anyway. And he told them, don't go. You're going to lose your ship. You're going to lose your cargo. You're going to lose your good. The captain and the, and the others said, we're going to do it anyway. They went. After 14 days, there was no hope. At the end of 14 days, the apostle Paul, he got up and he broke bread in the spite with 276 souls on the ship. And he said, the angel of the Lord stood by me tonight. And he said, not one of you is going to perish. Not one of you is going to die. Guess what happened? All 276 got to land. All 276 got to the shore. Come on. And God healed the man, Publius, who was a politician, figure the chief leader of the island. He he healed his dad, and guess what happened? Revival broke out on the island. I want to tell you today, don't focus on the politics. Don't focus on the political. Don't focus on the diversions the enemy wants to get you into. Because the Bible says in Isaiah 59, it said corruption's going to hit. They're going to hatch snakes, spiders, and, and, and they're going to hatch vipers. But Isaiah 60 says, when that happens, he says, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you for darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness, thick darkness deep darkness, the people but then, not before, my glory shall be seen upon you church, the glory of God is in you the glory of God is manifest in you, the glory of God is in your worship, get ready the glory's gonna hit the planet before the son of God comes back again Amen, amen. Come on, let's give a God a shout this afternoon. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. If you were doubting or if you were feeling like, I don't know where I am, I think we've just heard a message that as, as the Bible says in Hebrews, not to cast away your confidence that God is for us and not against us. So I want to pray for you as we close, just a couple of reminders. We want to sow into Pastor Rick uh, in their, and their ministry. You can do so once again with all the ways that we typically sow. Um, if you can clearly mark it though, Pastor Rick, R-I-C-K, that is very, very important so that it doesn't go into our general funds. We are going to bless him as a church as it is, but we want to give you an opportunity to partner with us to bless uh, those that the Lord brings our way. The Bible says that, that we honor um, 
a prophet in the name of a prophet, we receive a prophet's reward. And we want to just honor this man of God that has come to stir our faith on the journey that we are in as Toronto City Church. How many people know God is moving in our midst? And multiplication on the other end of brokenness, right? Oh, man. Such a powerful word. I want to remind you uh, to register. Uh, once again, if you want to jump on uh, Discipleship 1 or 2, School of the Spirit, Saturate Saturday, and our young adults, if you want to register for this upcoming Friday night. Uh, close your eyes. Let me pray for you as we go this afternoon. I want to pray once again out of number six. Father, we love your word. And we thank you uh, that your word has come to challenge us, to provoke us, to change us, and to move us from where we were to where you want us to be. So, Father, we ask that your word would bear much fruit in our hearts. Father, that we would not walk away from this place and forget what has been spoken to us. But Father, as we get into our cars, as we go about our week, Father, may we go back over what you have spoken and may we apply it to our lives. And Father, I pray right now, even out of number six, over every individual and over every family, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And we thank you for that. We receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Greet someone around you as you go. Toronto City Church, have an awesome week.